games, video 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 It's July 9th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 114. One day you will remember that before you have to say it. What's funny is, through your ears, it sounds like he remembers it. Through his face, no fucking clue. That's kind of a pro. Who are you? I'm a pro. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Jake Rodkin. <laughs> I'm Chris Remo. And um, Nick Brecken is sick coughing up things, I think. Yeah. He would be. We're not. Oh, we're not supposed to say when Nick's not here. That's right. We're supposed to just act like it's fine. But whatever. So uh, as you probably know, if you're the kind of person who listens to a video game podcast, you've probably, uh, you've probably heard that Ryan Davis of Giant Bomb uh, passed away last uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, this was something that was obviously completely shocking to all of us. He was only 34 years old. Um, and one of just the absolute greatest guys you could ever hope to meet in your entire life. And someone who I think towered over the world of podcasting, um, in a way that, you know, like Jake and I have been doing this for about five years now. And, uh, at least for me, I always felt like we were, um, constantly in the shadow of, giant bomb but in a good way in sort of a very good little brother shadow which is a very presumptuous thing to say because like we have no connection but brother who yeah. kind of like when you see him he like punches you in the shoulder and calls you a dork right <laughs> right like oh he hit me oh exactly. he touched me <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh, giant bomb god one yeah. day <laughs> and yeah. i feel like ryan davis was the most emblematic of that yeah in terms of someone who is like completely able to be witty and acerbic and uh you know, harsh and dull out criticism, but never ever be anything less than simultaneously the most friendly, approachable, accommodating guy. It's like absolutely a remarkable feat of humanity. I, I'm, it's that guy. Yeah. He was a, he was a good dude. Really, really awesome. I went back and listened to, he was on the cast, uh, third week of May, 108, when I wasn't here. I went and listened to it today. And, uh, He's so much better at this than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's he a just joke. kicked your ass. Yeah, yep. yeah. that's why we, that's why uh, we kept from having him on the cast for the, those many years. Yeah. We knew it was just going to ruin us. Yeah, because yeah. it was the it was the the prank episode. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. nobody knows this, but afterwards, uh, I mean, you know that we probably registered giantbomb.net because CBS I had failed to, and then had it redirect to Idle Thumbs, but. Mr. Davis was very cool about that. Yep. Like he thought oh, yeah. it was fucking funny as he hell. He thought it was the best. And, and that's something he, that some people might he think. He even posted he, it. He even posted it to his own Twitter oh, that's account. True. Yeah, yeah, but in classic Big Brother style. He was like, ha ha ha, good one. Could you please give me that domain within the week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know. Um I mean you're that was a pretty succinct and accurate uh assessment of the man. But uh it's really, really, really tragic stuff. And uh yeah, we actually just streamed a game to make ourselves feel better about it yep. that we think he would have found very funny. Uh, we played Surgeon Simulator. Um, I, I wonder if they've done a quick look of it. They probably I, have. I would like to see uh, Ryan and those guys talk about it because I'm sure it would be excellent. But uh, one thing about, I don't know, uh, I kind of said this on Twitter today, but uh, working in the game industry, every once in a while you get lucky enough to go show people your game. And remember when Jake and I showed Ryan Poker Night the inventory uh, yeah. giant bomb? We brought them a pretty stupid <laughs> uh, comedy poker game. And I had like the best time I could have ever had on a faux mini press tour. That was the first time I think I'd met. No, I'd met Ryan a couple times before, but that was the first time I'd ever been on air with him. And basically, if you show up with Dishonored, they're just going to be like, yeah, it's the best because it is the best. But when you show up with a shitty poker game, you don't expect them to give you the <laughs> to time apply of the day same level and apply of the same level of enthusiasm. Yeah. 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 And uh, it just left me feeling awesome. It was just the absolute 
best feeling. And yeah. then after that, I always just kind of felt at home at Giant Bomb. And, you know, part of that is just the company uh, at the time. But it was also you walk in and if you bump into Ryan, no matter what he's doing, it's just sort of like there's that that like, uh, I don't know, like spark. And mm-hmm. you all of a sudden you just feel like you're supposed to be there yep. and you can go to the bar, you can answer the red phone. You just feel like it's cool that you're there. You're not walking onto somebody's turf. And I think he was completely emblematic of that. And gl- that's a really rare thing. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the game because that it, you telling that story reminds me when we were making connect party at double fine that the connect party oh and God. double fine happy action theater. These are weird connect games that are just compilation party activities of a bunch of goofy things that you do with the connect. And they're just super wacky and crazy and weird, but they're also, it's impossible to know who those games are for really, because they're not for they're not casual games in the tradition of most sort of casual games. And they're definitely not hardcore games in the tradition of most of the stuff that, you know, we talk about in this podcast or that the giant bomb guys talk about on theirs. So it's like, who, who exactly do you sell this game to? Who? You sell it to Ryan Davis. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Exactly. When we were developing that game, I swear to God, it was just like, you know who's going to think this shit is totally hilarious? Ryan Davis and the guys at Giant Bomb. Like, clearly. The, the, the dubstep mode in that game, I feel like, was practically done for their benefit. Like, right. knowing that, like, what? who is the goddamn demographic for this? It's those guys. Like, when we took, when we revealed the dubstep mode, we were, like, the rest of the game, like, announced it, whatever, however you want. But dubstep mode was unveiled on a giant bomb quick look. Because it's like, where else could you possibly put put that out? Right. It's like bringing a film to con. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that was a really, like, just amazing experience. Like, being... Being in that office, showing that game, and particularly that mode off with those guys, uh, with Ryan, was just an extraordinarily um, wonderful experience. Yeah, when they were at the, were they at the new office then or the old office? New one. Yeah, and I know you. T- we obviously went to the old office yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a bit, but there was an energy at the old office, and I'm sure. I mean, you know, I haven't been to the new one yet. That is so founded not just in the space, but in like the soul of the guys there. Uh, that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced and probably will ever experience again in the industry where you went down the stairs into this underground sort of like sub-level basement wide open area and there was live footage being shot on back towards the right there was desks all in front of you there was a, a lounge area with the red phone there was a bar down a hallway to the left and there was sort of this like hub like hubbub and of energy that you kind of only see on TV when people do like walk and talks through yeah, the whiskey shit. media office yeah. at that point felt like what you as a kid imagine like a video game magazine slash tech magazine right. like right. hangout it yeah, is yeah. that it, it was, was exactly that. Where like yeah. the fucking guy in the banana suit walking by and then <laughs> there's a like, secret <laughs> speakeasy in the back room yeah. and like what is this yeah. yeah it was I feel so fortunate to have been there at that time and yeah like again like, absolutely it's just a really, I don't know, uh, you know, these things can get kind of rote, I suppose, but Whatever. it just, we can't get over, like, it's, yeah, you can't say enough how, I don't know, I just missed that guy that a fucking dude. lot, it kills me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got into work at, like, noon this morning because I couldn't get out of bed. I was just, like, so baffled yeah. by this whole thing. I assumed it was a joke for a while, as everyone probably did. Yeah, I, uh, I got a call um, yesterday. And that was, so there was no out, you know, there was right. no sort of like, oh, it's coming to me through media. So right. I can yeah, yeah, just yeah. pretend this is really tasteless bullshit. No, I was like, yeah. Maybe we should talk about a dumb video game. Yeah, so we, we should. <laughs> we should. <laughs> we did a precast stream, um, which is a like thing. Like we did last week. Like we did last week. It's a yeah. thing that we're, we're going to try and do most weeks if we can. And we figured that a game that Ryan Davis would appreciate in its, in the, to the full extent of its ridiculous bullshit was surgeon simulator 2013 it's ridiculous bullshit and yet it's dedication to systemic precision absolutely yes it's quap like dedication yeah um so this is a game where you control it is surgeon simulator 2013 i don't know if you said that yeah, i think i talked it is it. yeah i did um you should say it at the same time. in surgeon simulator 2013 Sur- you control the 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 left arm right of a surgeon uh, from first person view. The right. Is it the right arm? No, it is the left. No, it's the right arm because I. It's the left it's arm because I was. I wanted the co-op right arm to hold the fridge door open on the right. Oh, right, right. right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have control over one guy's left arm. 
That's and it. yeah, and you have con- you have individual control over each of the five fingers, so you can form various finger configurations and grips. Right. And you have to individually control this physics-driven arm you, to pick up implements. The arm can sort of move forward and back and left and right in the scene, and then you can also drop it like a like um, a crane, like, like a, a mechanical crane. crane. Game, yeah. And then if you hold the right mouse button down, you can do the like. L.A. Noir investigate just like <laughs> shitty wrist twist. Yeah. yeah, you can twist at the, the elbow. The sci-fi like yeah. looking at your hand you as it rotates around yeah. its axis. Yeah, the like, first thing Sean did was the simulation of prosthetic like hand. Luke Skywalker yeah. testing like right. turning his wrist over and testing all of his digits one at a time when getting the fake yeah. arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's a good it, tutorial it's move. It's insane. I there's no – there's absolutely no way to describe – this game and have it impart to you the full degree of how infuriating it is not to be able to just pick up a scalpel yeah, and well, direct it in a place like no matter how you say this game, the person listening to you is going to be like, oh, OK, fine. I can sure, whatever. I right. can it. Well, I can it, you described it really nope, well. Not true. In that when you're watching a friend play a video game that you've played before and they can't find the exit and you're just like, fuck, it's just to the left around the oh, can right. you just kill that guy and go out the door? <laughs> it's that. But with the most rote, stupid shit where it's like. It's not even that you've memorized a video game level. It's that you are watching a guy pick up a spherical object with a hand. And you're like, okay, we have all done this yes. <laughs> since we were not even a year old. And you yeah. can't – like yeah. the simulation is just realistic enough that your brain is like punches through the uncanny right. valley. And you're like, I'm seeing a hand just – Trying so- to pick up a thing. Just pick up the Fucking thing. Pick it up. Just pick it up. Just got, do it right now. Like, we got a bunch of tweets after the stream that were just like that was the most infuriating thing to watch. And oh, yeah. also the most hilarious. But there are people like <laughs> – it's le- it's less infuriating. We we went Jake, Chris, no Sean, Sean Chris. Chris, Jake. I don't know my name, and it, be, it feels like once you've played it, you no longer have the ire of right. the watcher. You have this sort of you have like the sympathy. Mm, you've got yes, yeah. no no relax. Mm, Just oh, yeah, surgery no, no, is okay. hard, but it's okay. also it's okay. Saying you, <laughs> the surgery in this game is bullshit. It's like how ridiculous fishing is fishing, or how right. co-op it's is like racing. A, a operation. Yeah, yeah, where it's, it's like, like the, yeah. all, the the game opens on the main menu with the, with the computer screen and all that shit. And the first thing that you have is a hand, and the hand has to peel back a notebook page and stuff. But then when we finally managed to manipulate the stupid hand in the menu to get to the first screen, and it just said, perform a heart transplant. Goal. And that's it. And that's the only tool that ever sold for Step the Step one. Game. <laughs> perform a heart transplant. Yeah. Also, performing a heart transplant apparently just consists of destroying every other part you of this man. Smash every body. rib bust, in your way. Bust all rip the ribs all out the lungs out. Rip the yeah. lungs out. Cut out the heart. To get to the heart. Toss another one in there. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the they knew what was going on because when we were watching this, we were just joking. This is like the Team Fortress fucking medic trailer. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, wait, there's a secret mode in the game where you can just turn it <laughs> literally into the medic trailer. Yeah, that was amazing. I had no idea that was in the game at all. I had heard that, that – well, Sean, you said it was DLC or something. Yeah, that was recent DLC. It's sort of tied into a, a Valve arg that is in process, I guess. I don't know if it's – It might be done already. I don't know. I don't but, know. No, there was like a, some – yeah, I don't know. But yeah, um – Chris is going to check our audio quality to make sure we're not a dead podcast here. Oh, we're, we're fine. Good? Oh, but yes. yeah, it wasn't eaten. To unlock the Valve TF2 mode, you have to use the surgeon's hand to pick up a VHS cassette and put it in a VHS player. But then the game becomes, to me, way less gross. Like when it was, right. the art was sort of semi-stylized, but still vaguely realistic. It was and stylized, it was- but it had realistic proportions. And was, then when yeah. it moved to TF2 and had the giant heavy laying there and you were clearly the, the medic. The mechanic lined up right. a lot more for me actually personally when it was like, okay, I'm busting open ribs to pull out lungs right. and throw a heart in. Like being the yeah. medic from Team Fortress 2, it suddenly felt yeah, yeah, yeah. way more Well, because at like, first when it looks I like a real guy, right you don't really know yeah. how far do I got to go down right. the simulation. Do but, I have to like suture this? So once, how, yeah. once I realized that the game was asking me to perform surgery in the manner that I had learned from watching the medic do it in the video, it was like, oh – Clearly, you rip out the heart. You rip out the lungs. You <laughs> slam the other heart down onto the onto the Uber right. charge thing. Point the medic gun at it, and then throw it into the guy and heal him up. Well, because essentially the medic video is just a tutorial it's for how t- to fucking how, do this. It's just a how to video. Yeah, how to be a surgeon in TF2 world. But yeah, um, it turns baboon out that heart I'm and good all. It. Yeah, Jake kicked its ass. Chris and I fumbled and uh, oh, it was disgusting. Sent a few it guys to the morgue. And yeah. then Jake just Jake just literally cracked well, his knuckles. Literally, the first thing Jake did was like it. throw the heart on the ground, which means and you can't pick it up. There's right. no way to go get it. And then it's just like, hold on, I got this. Restart, 
And it was just bam, 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 bam. I was really was proud of myself. Like, okay, yeah. ribs. Well, I say bam, 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 but it was like 20 minutes of fumbling. It was 22 but it was minutes, like but it the felt best like, yeah. executed shitty fumbling you could you I could enjoyed that I was able to start on my second playthrough by grabbing the bust of Hippocrates and smashing the yeah. guy's rib cage open and then just throwing his lungs onto the floor. I also yeah. really enjoyed the commentary from chat of the like amended Hippocratic Oath, which is, first, do no harm to the specific organ you are trying to replace. Fuck the rest. <laughs> Hippocrates. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Super good. Oh man. Um the thing apparently that drove the chat the most insane was the thing that drove us the most insane. Oh my insane. god. The because fringe. the in the in the main mode of this game, the other heart is stored in a little styrofoam case like one imagines from watching hospitals on right. television like heart is. But in Team Fortress, the heart is stored next to there's a human heart and a baboon heart sitting in the fridge, which we all know from the yeah, trailer. Above a sandwich. But the fridge you have to fucking open with your hand the same way that you would operate on these guys, and it has the little like fifties pull lever kid gets caught in the fridge kind of thing. And it took that took more time than anything else. And that was apparently the thing that made the chat <laughs> finally fucking hit on the yeah. like I will kill you through my computer screen. Yep. Anyway, yep. uh this game is fucking good. And mm-hmm. weird. We didn't get very far into it. Well, what- we we did discover that it has a mode called Experimental, which has support has for... Oculus the- Rift and, and Hydra Controller. Those are really good in combination. We, what I, is the Hydra Controller? The Hydra Controller is like a 3D controller thing. We we did a... Jam- is, it, is it like the uh, Novent Falcon or something? No, it's like a, you hold it in just a hand. It's not a big apparatus. Oh it's my just, god, this game with a hand simulator plus yeah. 3D eyes would be nuts. Cause we, we At work, we did a, a, a little o- Oculus, jam, uh, Oculus Rift mini game jam where we had an, a hydro controller and a uh, and the Oculus Rift itself and like together you can do some pretty crazy like 3D exploratory stuff. That's nuts. I would just make a game where you flip pancakes. <laughs> That's well, literally the game I would make yeah. if I was at your office doing that game jam. Yeah. I'm fucking pissed that I wasn't just hanging out a double fine that day. Being, Guys are making day. a pancake flip game. Who's with me? Everybody, but Kipnis, come over here. You're good <laughs> with computers. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good day. We realized halfway through, I mean, I'm sure if we go back and watch the stream, how lame and dorky we were when I was trying to get the fucking heart out of the fridge and we all actually hunched down to try to look. <laughs> yeah, it we was are like the all, classic uh, Mario Kart, like NES controller. With an Oculus Rift, that's valid. It's true, it's true. You're right. The same stupid (laughs) fucking way that with a Wii remote, all the idiots, we talked about this, your dumb cousin who jumps up and down when playing Mario (laughs) for the first time on the Nintendo is now fucking jumping the correct way with the Wii remote. So now us going, and cranking our necks (laughs) to look under the fucking fridge. Yeah, Oculus Rift makes bad video games, players, good ones. That's the slogan on their box. <laughs> Someone on Twitter also says we have to keep playing till we get to the ambulance missions, which I oh my, my god, god. Yeah. what? So that I suspect that's I real. know what this is. Hopefully, yeah. that is think, like um, you know, just things rattling all over the place yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. You know, just uh, what's this? The your face just went like. <gasps> No, what's the? Oh, it's let the right one in car accident with oh, the camera right, right. that just stays in the back as the, the camera like pinned to the car. Everything spins 180 degrees or like the Inception uh, time slow yeah. moment. But just I don't know. I want to. We should play the ambulance stuff. I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to play this game because it's fucking nuts. Because of everything well, about this. Everything. Game. About, everything. It's also just the tearing apart. A guy's just like ripped open body for surgery is already just distressing imagery. Right. Yeah. So that. Oh yeah. So it's emotionally with, hard to play to begin with. It's just yeah viscerally stressful. But then yeah. the game's also like just plunge your fucking hand in there and tear the kidney out and throw it away. Yep. If you don't do yeah. that, he'll it's, die. It's difficult in the sense that it is taxing, and it's difficult in the sense that it's fucking impossible. But it's also hilarious. Yes. It is also more fun when you're playing it than when you're watching it from a being grossed out. By the weird, morbid nature of it, standpoint, mm-hmm. I think. But definitely play this game with a friend if you can. Oh, I yeah. think that there's a, there's a. You want to subject? You want to? It was yeah. Cause I it, don't know if I would stick with it if I wasn't with friends. It was really satisfying yeah. when I. It's so hard. Was trying to open the fridge when I was trying to open the fridge door and didn't realize that I had actually opened it until I brushed my hand against it and closed it again. And then you guys <laughs> just went, no! <laughs> and the enchi- entire chat just was like, fuck, blah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Had I been playing by myself, I don't know if I would have noticed that, but everyone just going, what are you doing? Yeah. Made it really good. Yeah. So, um, but just imagine. Also, thanks for watching these, by the way. If, yeah. you were, if you were one of those people, it's really fucking awesome to just look over the chat and see you guys going ape shit. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. Just imagine if this game had either split screen co-op or multiplayer co-op with two hands. We need two Oculus Rifts 
two Hydra controllers and co-op. One Oculus Rift and two Hydra controllers would also just be amazing if you were just a weird somehow multi-hand surgeon. Just it would be <laughs> yeah. really easy though because then yeah. you know, I imagine would just go and just rip this fucking guy apart with your hands <laughs> and then throw a heart in there and call it a day. Yeah, we didn't complete the non-TF2 one. I wonder if the mm-hmm. way that you win that one is to just cover the body back up with the cloth because <laughs> <laughs> the way you complete the TF2 and it's to shoot him with the metagun. Shoot him with the metagun and then like, he of course. Himself. But the way the way that you start the main surgery is by pulling that little green cloth off to reveal the the surgical horror within. So I wonder if at the end you're like just this cover it up. Come, he's good. This I'll be in my good. office. <laughs> Thanks. Please give me clear my hold my thousand dollars. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah god what if this game what if the so this is search simulator 2013 let's assume that like all the other weird so first of all actually before i even say this i i didn't realize this game was this because all, this game the like logo treatment yeah. well the logo treatment is that like italic sh- like shitty italic impact font like it white just looks like it just looks simulator. well it looks like all the like farm simulator yeah, like right. bus simulator it looks like all those so i'm like oh it's it just going to be like a it's thing it seems like it's deliberately just supposed to be a self-entry Exa- exactly, in, the, in right. the vein of frog fractions right. or something right yeah, yeah so that was hilarious but because it's it's certain simulator 13 let's let's assume there are going to be yearly uh, 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 installments in, in certain simulator, and let's also assume that it goes the way that simulators have traditionally gone, where it just gets more and more arcane and it baroque, gets increasingly baroque, and just yeah. yeah, to the point where like five years from now, you have Oculus Rift like entire operating room consisting of chief surgeon, like nursing staff, like you know, fucking resident, all all there. In Oculus Rifts, two hands each, like moving around, like <laughs> taking orders from the surgeon. But you're still just bashing a rib yeah, cage you're with still whatever just you happen destroying to find. A man's right, life. but you also have voice chats. You keep yeah. scalpel, and then yeah. someone's sort of like fumbling, <laughs> like having physics hands you a scalpel, which cuts your arm open and starts right. you bleeding because you also yeah. obviously have a heart rate and blood yes. monitor yes. as a simulated yes. character in right. Surgery Simulator 2027. Yes. Yeah. So whoever made this game, I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> It's probably occurred to them immediately. Yeah. The main menu at that point has also just become your home and your family that you have to interact <laughs> with, get in the car, <laughs> drive to work. In order to right. play the other little secret shareware game, you have to actually go to a user group and get a pirated copy from your friend <laughs> uh, and then install that on the computer. That's, you know. This game just, based on the computer technology in there, the game seems to take place in the 90s. So maybe you have to dial into a BBS. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And copy some wares. Yeah. Some Juarez. It's not what it's called. I know. Really? Wares. Hmm. Short like, for software, like but pedal, with a Z. Like pedal your wares. Yeah, pedal yeah, your yeah, wares. You. Pedal mm-hmm. your call of Juarez. Wares. <laughs> pedal your call of Juarez. Wares. Torrent. <laughs> so that was fun. It's a very good game. Yeah. It's and really I dumb. laughed a lot. Yeah. Which was very nice. Mm-hmm. It was necessary today. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sometimes you throw a heart on the floor, though. Mm-hmm. So true, Jake. Well said. Video games. What do you want to talk about? We talked about Mall Jam. How was it? It was really fun. It was actually a blast. So you guys, it was at the IGN offices, the SF1 yes, this year? Yes, the SF1, was, the space was kindly donated by the IGN people. It was oh, a great space. IGN.com? It blew me away. Yeah. IGN.com's yeah. website Twitter space. Erratic. Uh, yeah, no, it was actually a really, really, really nice environment for to do, uh, to do a game jam because it was their, I guess it was their sort of lunchroom, but it would, but it's huge, it, like it's enor- enormous, it's as big as some video game studios' interiors, you know, just where they have their kitchen and like huge area where they have tables and chairs and stuff. How was the turnout this year? It was great. It was uh, the venue was full the entire time. Oh, crazy. Um, I, I think yeah, it seemed like I think when we were when we were organizing it, like. Just because it wasn't – I mean last year there was so much spontaneous coverage and it sort of turned into this phenomenon and it felt like this year because it was the second one, you know, just wasn't going to have that same spark behind it. But it ended up feeling just as um, exciting and full, like an full of people now. and and yeah. and uh, doing a totally different theme I think was cool, mm-hmm. having it be around Molyneux quotes rather than Molyneux tweets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you have no idea what Molly Jam is, it's a 48-hour uh, game jam where teams take 
Peter Molyneux quotes out of context and then make a video game out of them. At least that's what the theme was this year. Yeah, last year mm-hmm. it was based around Peter Molyneux, that fake Twitter account that posts fake Peter Molyneux ideas. And this year... But sometimes are very, very close to real. Sometimes yeah. they are so close to real you can make a game. But yeah, this year it seemed kind of hilarious to just say, well, fuck it. Why don't we just find weird and stupid things Peter Molyneux himself has said and then make people make games out of those? Are yeah. there are there links to a lot of the games or like at least where you can find the quotes? Yeah, go to mollyjam.com. Mm-hmm. And there you can look at the if you look at, if you click the theme link you can see um, all the quotations from Molyneux and you can also uh, browse uh, if you go to Molyneux.com, you can also browse the games that have been uploaded so far from the teams who made it. There's can you browse games by quote? Am I requesting a feature that doesn't exist? Uh, I can't remember actually. Anyway, whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, but it's how, cool. There were the hundreds, theme- hundreds and hundreds of games. Were how the theme actually hold up in practice? Because I mean, last year it seemed very self-explanatory that these were like mm-hmm. people were making games literally based on. It was like they were called like a game funny, where. Jo- funny joke yeah. game ideas. Yeah. 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 Whereas this um, year it was more how do you interpret an insane thing that Peter Molyneux said? It held up said. super well, actually. In fact, to the point where I think a lot of the people watching on the live streams simply assumed these were still just more Molyneux tweets. Oh man! Uh, because so many of them are just so hilarious or quirky or weird or funny, um, and because. You know, you think because if you think about last year, even though a lot of the tweets were very specific, concrete game well, ideas, a lot of the actual the games, things. right, yeah. ended up kind of just using them as a launching point in terms of inspiration and and theme and and uh, mm-hmm. tone. And it was the same this year. So you know, even though the the quotations were a little were a little less specifically um, kind of nuggets of game design, uh, it didn't really matter. People still just used them to do really interesting. Mm-hmm crazy game ideas that were inspired loosely by them. And it, I mean, some of them were very specific though. Like the, 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 the one that I did my team, uh, I was on a team with Doug tobacco, our web guy and, uh, and a Kipnis programmer from double fine and, uh, Elizabeth Bommel, who was actually on my team last year when we made unbearable, she was our artist. Um, uh, we, our, our quotation was something like, um, dog ownership, um, is great fun, but you have to remember dogs can be quite embarrassing to their owners. And so we made a game called Faux Paws in which uh, you play as <laughs> – this suggested by a uh, live stream watcher. Mm. We asked for dog puns. and uh, I'm hunting that person now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, that person's on <laughs> You can go. find the IRC chat log from that yeah. thing and you start yeah. to piece together the IP address. Get the gun run on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and thank you so much to the gun run from Twitch TV for showing up at the event on the kickoff on the first day and the show and tell on the last day and helping us get a really pro stream. Uh, Anywhere that there's a concentration going. of Twitch activity happening, the gun run just spawns in. Somehow. It's true. So, that guy is yeah. like super, the, that guy is basically a superhero for, for this stuff. Um, uh, so anyway, we, um, we made a game where you play as Peter Molyneux's dog being walked by Peter, Peter Molyneux. And it's your goal to embarrass him, uh, as much as possible. So you can, poop and barf and pee and fart and uh eat food or off the ground or eat poop um any number of different things and if you you can there's some like uh additional you get multiplier for heavily embarrassing Molyneux in front of the queen of england who shows up occasionally of course she does um so it was just a fun stupid little thing and um there was there were some really creative really really cool games. games i played haughty or naughty and then it was tweeted alongside another game that i really wanted to play and haven't played yet i can't remember the name of it Ugh. I think I favorited it. Was but, um, it was it the the date one? Yes. Yeah, that was super good. That's the other one. That I, was yeah. What's um, it called? our friend Jolie worked on that. You're um, from Telltale. Yeah, um, it was the best. called um, Back to the First Date, I think. Right. And uh, it's the that was a really game. clever game. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite quotations, the Molyneux ones, mm-hmm. because it was so sort of um, sincere and poignant. He basically said, um, "I often wish I had a time machine and could go back two weeks. You live by your mistakes for sure." And it was just it was just such a melancholy, sincere thing to say. <laughs> it was just sort of shocking. Um, and they turned it into a really great game where the whole thing is told in panels, sort of comic book style panels that have word bubbles in them. And you play as each of these characters alternating the the guy in the date and the the woman in the date. And it's two weeks later, two weeks after this date, and you're reflecting on why did that date go badly? What did, what did I do wrong? Um, good thing I have this time machine. Why don't I go back and try to fix the situation? And so you alternate between these two characters going back in time to try and like adjust the things they said in conversation. So you're just trying to iterate to, be, to create the, the Exactly. You date. keep iterating until you, yeah, in an attempt to sort of salvage 
this date and create a mutually a, 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 a situation of mutual attraction um, between the two characters. It's really clever and Is really well executed. State? There's not. <laughs> okay. The thing that I just realized, and I don't know if they're doing it or not, is – well, I guess never mind. I guess with the two weeks, you always have the time. But I was thinking like does the time that you take considering it mean that you like – you start at minute zero. Then the next time you go back to the date, you no, can only – the first minute is gone. No. What's, what happens – like the, the conceit tech, theoretically is that each time, each attempt, you like come back to the present. You notice that you're still alone and you're like, oh, I guess it didn't work. All right. I'm going back again. And then you jump back. To the very beginning of the date again okay. and start over. So every time you're starting over, That's um, it's super clever and it's amazingly well executed. It feels really complete. It, it's great. It's web based. You can play it online. Um, just go to mollyjam.com and you can find it. Mm-hmm. I saw a really, really impressive visually first person dog simulator as someone did based on the dog game where you were inside the jaws of the dog where it was a dog mouth and crotch <laughs> simulator. So you were running around in first person <laughs> and you could bite stuff. And then you could press a different button and the camera would pop out of the mouth of the dog and you would just see a leg lifted and a dog dong pee on stuff. But it was all – those were like your two powers. It was gross looking. But like it kind of had – I didn't see this one. It has a sort of like Minecraft meets Fez kind of like mm. chunky, chunky palette. But it was visually really cohesive except nice. then it had like a weird pixely dog dick. Anyway, check it out. Mall Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I was Do- really impressed with that video. It's Even though it has dog cock in it. That's been my contribution to this conversation. Dogs were definitely a big theme this year, similar to like bears last year. Oh, man. Was there a favorite of yours for press to the left trigger to see the most incredible thing in the world? Or the most interesting thing, or in, the most world? Interesting thing in the world? Yeah. Um, shit. I need to go through and play all of those because that was my favorite quotation because it was right. so simultaneously. It feels like the loftiest one to nail though. I know. Really God, if you, if you pull that one, you got to be like. The punchline that you have to come up with oh, for that has to yeah. just be like, oh man. So like, yeah, if it feels like that, 47 hours of your game jam time is just in a cold sweat trying to figure out what to fucking make and you have one hour to make that. You know what was crazy about that one? So you guys know David Hellman, the artist of Braid? Mm-hmm. Um, so he lives around here and we hang out sometimes. He's a super, super nice guy. Like just really down to earth, really cool. And he was he showed up at the event to do an art live stream, which he did last year as well because um, obviously he's a quite talented artist. And he and he saw he, – we gave him this. He's like, oh, can I see the quotes? Because he was going to illustrate uh, some of the quotations. And we handed it to him. And the very first one on the list because I – because it was my favorite one I put at the top was um, – press press right trigger to see the most interesting thing in the world and he's like oh i was there for that and i was like what he's like yeah i was sitting in that game demo and molyneux said that (laughs) what like that's just okay good what the hell was it apparently it was a demo of fable 2 um where uh mol it was like a, a a very small demo just a couple people one of whom weirdly was david hellman for some reason and uh and molyneux was was directing the person playing the game to kind of run around and i guess what he meant was like art like the right trigger just did like a zoom in on the care on like something that you're locked on you know so it'll show you the most interesting thing in the world to your player character right exactly like what is this right it's like what is it is like yeah yeah right it's like clicking to see the most interesting thing in this environment in like the lots of games the game world right and i know that was so but i love the fact that when peter molyneux is describing the most mundane thing ever the choice of words he uses is the most grandiose thing possible you could – it seems in the spirit of weird recent magical Molyneux stuff. Like Peter Molyneux at this point, I just imagine his life being narrated by Stephen Fry from the beginning of Katamari <laughs> Damacy. Actually, right. um, when you were talking last week about uh, SimCity 5 and Civ 5 being sort of about the bright and sort of like promise of humanity, mm-hmm. the closest thing tonally that matches that to me like on a micro level is the opening of the first Little Big Planet where it's just right. like mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of us together are in this world and what we are making is amazing. Yeah, but like, I think where you the thing that or a possible game jam game for that, which I would have tried to convince someone who knows how to program to make, would be the game requires your computer to have a camera, and everyone who is playing it just basically rip off chat roulette, but set mm-hmm. it up so that when you press right trigger, the like the shutter in the middle of the screen opens up and you just see another player, and then when you close it, it's the, the connection is gone, and then when you open it again, you <laughs> see someone else, and that's it. So you just press, you just. That's really good. That would be uh, yeah. a very simple way to do it, but it would also dong, be... Dong, dong, yeah. dong, 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 face. Face, right. 
they would, the, the, the Taj Mahal. Is, it would just, <laughs> just be getting a frame like of each thing. Well, right. no, no, you just you you'd get, get live you video hold it open, right? You open it when you hold you'd the be holding you hold like the, the curtains open, open or whatever. Oh, you, so you can keep it down as long as you want. And then when yeah, then when you let go, uh-huh, it would close uh-huh. and the connection would close. But yeah, the yeah, thing about okay. that it was it would surely only ever be played at Mall Jam or by people who are making or who are watching like through the Mall Jam site. Mm-hmm. Right. That seems never going to catch on. But that would mean that within the context of Mall Jam, you'd press the trigger and it would probably just be someone holding their computer monitor at someone else's Mall Jam. Right. Game. So you yeah. would see the most amazing <laughs> thing in the That's world. That's true, man. Speaking of uh, live Mall Jam games, a, a sort of ruination. There was a really clever one. Where uh, Molyneux, the quote was something like, if me not turning my phone off crashes, or not turning my phone off crashes the plane, so be it. And so someone made this really amazing game that runs on a local area network and you, you have just X number of people just go to this web address um, to connect to the computer running the game on your LAN or your, you know, your Wi-Fi network, whatever. And uh, – and it it brings up on your screen as a player like a little fake iPhone, like a little HTML5 iPhone interface. And you can just start opening programs and just pressing things in them. And then the the person running the game is the pilot. And on his screen is like the, the console, like the control console of the cockpit. And as more and more people start opening up iPhone apps and pressing things, his gauges start just going fucking apeshit. And the plane starts to nosedive and like... As everyone is pressing things, it's corresponding to like changing controls in the cockpit, uh, simulating the actual active interference and ruination of the pilot's agency by everyone else just fucking around and wasting time solid. on their phone. It was really good. And so he, he, during the stream, he did a demonstration of it where he was the pilot and he just instructed everyone in the Molly Gem room to just all Log into Bring my out your phones and, start, and just yeah. all log into this and just and just destroy the the flight. It was super good. The FAA is stoked that that exists. Yeah. The simulator <laughs> of you ruining a pilot's right. life. Yeah, yeah. C. <laughs> just an, an eyebrow from a surly yeah. stew. Yeah. In an ironic twist, that game is very popular on airplanes that are have uh, plane centric Wi Fi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Molly Jam was fun. It was a blast. I'm really glad we did it again. I was I would I had a, I had sort of weird insecurity about it leading up to it um just because it's the sequel to a really weird spontaneous thing yeah and it yeah. just felt less natural to do but just the you don't f- want to be like that 90s woodstock yeah exactly you don't be fred durst at that thing right exactly yeah. that was totally it and it actually just ended up feeling just because it's because this is the thing it still felt so different to anything else that the games industry generally speaking like puts out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, game jams just have this like amazing spontaneous feeling no matter what. And the fact that this, the theme of this one is just so bonkers and weird. Um, I don't know. It was really good. I'm glad we did it again. Good. Yeah. Cool. You want to do some mail from readers? Sure. And then go away. So if you have mail, you, the readers, please write us at questions at idlethumbs.net. Mm-hmm. All right. Derek uh, Petrarca writes, hi. hi, Thumbs. Hi, Derek. Hi, buddy. Hey there. He hey. says, I decided to fire up The Walking Dead again now that mm. there's some new content out. I lost my previous saves and wanted to make sure that things carried over into the new 400 days. All discussion on whether or not that game should be replayed or not. Um, it was downright weird seeing the names of Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin, two podcasters I've listening been listening to every week for the last year or so. <laughs> I'm Sean Vanneman, the podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> the game experience was definitely changed. After having listened to a, d- a few dozen hours of discussion from its creators. It was somehow diminished. <laughs> somehow even worse. I found myself wondering more about the design process that went into writing the conversation trees and scenarios rather than experiencing them as a player normally does. Shit. <laughs> I think he thinks that's interesting, though. Oh, um, one would hope. My question is this. As professionals in the games industry, do you find it difficult to enjoy content created by your colleagues and other game designers you're familiar with, given that you may hear the creator's voice behind the content? Or are you so used to it that you've learned to naturally divorce the artist from the art? Surely it takes a lot more than two people to make a game like The Walking Dead. Though sometime in the back of my head, I kept wondering if a dialogue option would pop up completely apropos of nothing for Lee to state fuck Nick Brecken. Thanks, Derek P. Evil Sea Rat. First fun fact, Brecken is mentioned as an Easter egg in Walking Dead Episode 1. Old Brecken Brecken down down the road. road. Down the the way. Um, Fun Brecken fact... There's gonna be another deep. There's gonna be a deep Brecken cut in episode one of season two. Spoilers. I'm just saying. Chris oh, can't handle it. There's also one place uh, where the text prompt for Lee says "deal with it," which I think was no, deliberately put in for Steve. A little present for everybody. Um, um, well, I will say we should give like for 400 days. Uh, 
we Jake and I did a lot of conceptual work. Um, yeah, we sort of helped with early story. Just sort of, stuff. wouldn't it be cool if there was five short stories and I wrote the Russell chapter? Uh, and we store we were in the the writers' room for a lot of the conceptual phase of this game. But hats grow off really to Sean Ainsworth and Mark Darren, Harrison Pink, Graham Nick Ross, Br- Graham Ross, Nick, Nick Brecken did a hell of a lot of writing. Um, yeah, uh, and, and the rest of like the, the entire production team for yeah, season Randy one, Tudor, basically. Yeah, and all the production um, team. But like, but when I think the question was more. Oh, yeah, that was just that out of the way. Get that out of the way because <clears throat> the games are made by a billion bajillion, yeah, people. especially four hundred days. Four hundred days was not us as much as the season was. But, as far um, as leads go. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have that thing. I think I'm harder on games when it comes to their creative choices, but not on their execution. I think that's I agree, kind of where I agree I with that entirely. I'm so definitely like, I'm definitely that way as well. I'm more sort of in awe of th- something that's done well, but I don't have my my attention is not drawn to things that are done poorly at all. Because I always just those actually get a bigger pass. Where I'm like, oh, I bet they had to short on that because, and then I just don't even think about it. Yeah, but like I was just so blown away. <laughs> God, IGN.com. To delete that from my. We need like we need a swear jar, but it just needs to be a little button that says yeah. IGN.com. No, I was really <laughs> taken by. IGN.com. Uh, the opening of Last of Us, technically. Yeah, and then I was too. then transported emotionally because it was it, it, it the creative content and creative choices matched its uh, execution. Um, I started just stealthing that game, by the way. I'm going to beat it now, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to kill anybody. Just it's gonna be hard. Choke a guy, choke a guy, get the fuck out. I mean, there are. Some... I mean, I'll choke a guy, but I'm not gonna get in a oh, fight. That's killing. But yeah, uh, I, you don't know. There, there are there are parts in that game that are just gated, where it's almost it feels like it would be almost right. impossible not to. You can run away. No, I know you can. I was in a spot that I thought was gated, but, but I mean, like I've played parts where the actual condition is kill everyone, murder the guy. Like that's literally the, like the past condition. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> no, that's my. I think for quick, me, quick answer. like having now worked at a game company. As a professional, that's a scary sounding Rodkin word. Rodkin of the professional? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having worked just at a game company for like whatever it is, a number of years, like 30 years, um, I think just playing games for me is a different experience than it was before I worked in game development. But playing games, when I play games and I see something that just amazes me or that it's interesting to me, I, my brain just thinks, good fucking work, whoever it is that made this. Um, and if something is lame, I just go, eh, well, okay, you know, move yeah. on and keep playing. And the only difference for me really is if I'm playing a game that a, a person that I know worked on and something comes up that makes me excited, I just think in my brain, good fucking work, guy who made that, mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of anonymous people who I'm sure are cool. Like, I don't, I mean. With it, hyper indie stuff, I'm like, yo, you son of a bitch. Yeah, like with Brendan or Steve. I mean, I think yeah. it also helps that <clears throat> for the most part, most of the stuff made by people who I know doesn't have just like. gratuitously objectionable content in it. I mean, like, I don't... I, I, I imagine if I played a game that a friend of mine worked on, and I was like, oh, I'm so excited to play the... Whoa. You know, right. just, like, whatever it is, just grotesque, pointless violence or just weird sexism. Like, that that kind of just... Or just... I just haven't run into that, so I... You know, but other than that, I'm just always like, oh, cool, you did a thing that's cool. I don't know. Sweet games... Yeah, I, um, Sean, what you were saying about creative content versus execution, I totally agree with. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily super related to like knowing people or not, because I feel like I definitely, I guess like Jake, m- more of the people I know, I think are on the smaller scale side of game development at this point. Um, yeah. but I definitely find myself be, um, like when I was playing last of us, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there are moments of technical accomplishment that are like mind exploding to me. I mean, the one that stuck with me probably still stick with me almost more than anything else. Just, just purely in terms of like specific technical achievement for a reason that is impressive is when you lean up against a surface and then Ellie slides in yeah. like under you and you kind of adju- like your character, Joel sort of adjusts his body you kind to of make, adjust around to make her room for her and like his arms faster. kind of lifts yeah. up a bit. It is like, it is astonishing. Like that is totally remarkable. And that, connects to what the game is about in a very powerful tangible way like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing i think is incredible and what's interesting is i feel like i've played so many games at this point that the the inclusion of things like that 
makes me, I don't know, I guess more frustrated with things that on the broader scale, like feel to me like less successful, larger creative choices or like more default creative choices, you know, because I feel like I've seen them so many times in so many games and I, it's harder for me to just kind of purely look past them, even if there's simultaneously like a million other things about the game in question that I think are amazing. And like, I, you know, probably on this podcast at times, I focus too much on those things, but it's just because of the way that they sort of um, like bounce against each other in my brain. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not because I like think the thing is like crappy or something. It's just like, those are the things that stick out because those are the things I I look for um, because they're the ones that when they hit, they make the biggest impact on me, totally. you know, I and think, like I, I have that same the thing that the one specific thing that always seems to happen, especially in all the games I've been playing lately, where when it goes one way, I go, holy shit, awesome. And when it goes more likely than not, the other way I go, oh, typical, which is just this. And I kind of had this criticism. We were talking last week off the podcast about some of my criticisms of Last of Us. And it's people <clears throat> really eschewing specificity in the name of games writing when for characters and who they are and what they care about and what they want to do and mm-hmm. where they're from and like what that was like and who they care about and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And I think we've been lucky enough in the type of games that we make, where we make them to make a bunch of really like fine grained, specific creative choices that then can show up anywhere. It feels natural for them to show up in the game in the lack of that i noticed that a ton and it pisses me off so much where it's like maybe he like how you doing you know how you holding up those are fine questions i guess but nobody ever talks about the really specific shit that has happened to them maybe in the scene that you didn't see before or before they got there to save you it bumped it jumped out in the last of us with me when you when joel is talking to his brother when they're escaping at the very beginning in the prologue I'm just like, oh, there's a level of just sort of detail and specificity about where he just was and where they're going and why they're going there that isn't there. That is just what a person would say. And I noticed that shit a ton. But I think it's also because we are able to work at a place where we have the freedom to make a lot of those specific creative choices and they stick in the game as opposed to sort of getting sanded off over years of production. Well, also, I noticed that. I think as a general, if you generalize it out, I think one of the reasons... I've become a lot more drawn to smaller scale game development. There's a number of reasons. I think one, as as someone who works in game development, I like, just personally, I like working on smaller teams a lot more. I, it's just a style of game development that I, that I personally connect with a lot more. But aside from that, I think, Sean, to the point you're making, it allows you to focus more on that specificity because there's less other stuff. There's less, there's fewer other balls you need to juggle, Um, which isn't to say the balls are any easier to juggle on a, on a, like an individual basis. But I think the bigger your game, the scope of your game gets. And God, I thought that was going to go to balls. (laughs) Sorry, Jake. I know you're, you're preoccupied with dog dicks, but today, but, um, Hey, uh, only for the past 20 minutes in his defense. Only only recently, but, um, the bigger those balls get, (laughs) just say it, Chris. Problem is there's more balls in other rooms that you can't see into. Right. That is the issue with big that's, scale. That's also you just yeah. wish you could see all the balls. If all the balls are in one room together, if all the balls games. are just presented to you, just at all times, life and is good, easier. Yes, then yeah. that's you'll how make you make good, good things. Games. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll find. You'll but it, there's. But I mean, still, I'm just going to keep. I'm going to keep soldiering through this. I see. You. The, yeah, yeah, you're like this hacking even the if, weeds. Even you're going to wade through the ball pit. Even if you've got a really big oh, room, I'm and you can. Yeah, even if you're wading through that ball pit and the entire ball pit is encompassed in I just want to make Chris say balls between, <laughs> between four walls, just because you can... A, b- just, wait, a walls. Four walls, sorry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you, you actually are able to, like, have a really thorough understanding of everything, right? Like, there's just past a certain point, you ha- you kind of have to just abdicate, like, the ability to have very uh, have specificity about everything kind of at the same right. time it's like sometimes they're gonna be balls like, you do um, not touch what is it heisenberg's uncertainty principle it's like you you can't just know everything and control everything all at once that's probably a huge butchering of the scientific principle but that observing those being a breaking bad reference no no okay yes <laughs> um, uh, but anyway i i think with a smaller scale game it's just possible to focus on the specific things that you do really, really want the game to be about oh, yeah, just, and not have to worry about introducing a bunch of other systems that may or may not actually all be part of what your game really is ultimately 
cohered around. There's a giant a fly. just landed on me and stayed on it's on you now. Sean's hair um, now. Yeah, did it go away? Yeah, yeah, your hair looks way better now. <laughs> At a certain size, there's just no possible way that the entire team can internalize the entire scope of the game exactly at right. once and yeah, even that on small games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. forty people games really. Like, I mean, forty is what yeah. it's about. Forty people is definitely a pretty you know pretty yeah. But good size, like, I, you know? I feel like once you get above ten or twelve, size. even you're exactly, in, you're yeah. in a tough zone yeah. for yeah. I feel like that is like my favorite team size yeah like around around 10 to 12 people is like feel there's something about it for some reason that just feels really yeah when i started at telltale and the company was only 15 people and a few Mm. of them were marketing folks including me like it was incredibly fun to work on those first couple sam and max games because it did just feel like every single person in the entire building has a hand in this but it's they the trust is so mutual across the Mm -hmm. entire organization that just like you just let people do their stuff. And super giant, this is super this, giant guys are in yeah, just this yeah. assumption that yeah. everyone is on the same page. It's really cool. Yeah. Best. Yeah. Um, so that was a super long rambly answer. And we to didn't that talk about your We question, didn't really even talk about this question very much. We started. We were, we were somewhere in the middle. Yeah. We were there. We were there somewhere in the middle. That's okay. We ruined your question. Um, you have another one? Or? Yeah. Patrick, so also another thing spur, um, spurred by the 400 Days DLC for Walking Dead. Um, Patrick, this episode brought to you by... Patrick Reeple says now. he recently played the game and his favorite... Part was the opening of the chapter where you're playfully flirting with a man. Trying to determine which jokes and lines to best make him laugh was with an expo- excellent gameplay mechanic. It made me instantly relate to the character in a direct way that most gameplays, such as shooting, fighting, stealth, and survival, can't do. As a re- Oh, this is interesting because that also ties mm-hmm. into the game that, uh, the Molly Jam game, mm-hmm. you know, where you're controlling the two characters right. in a date. Anyway, so he says, as a recently single man, I've been going on a lot of first dates and I've been wondering why courtship is so rarely portrayed well in video games when it's portrayed at all. Japanese d- dating sims are niche, and as the recent indie game Kindness Coins brilliantly satirizes, often a little more than creepy exercises in buying love and sex with gifts and compliments. Do you think there's more potential for games that utilize dating, courtship, love, and romance as primary game mechanics? What challenges have prevented them from being successfully explored in video games? Also, can Telltale please license an It Happened One Night game? You can't tell me that wouldn't be perfect. Your friend and mine, Patrick R. Sean Ainsworth did that. He wrote that stuff. He, he was a great guy. Stuff. He directed he 400 Days. Is he a dad yet? Not yet. No, coming soon. His baby's 10 days late. I think part of the reason is that the way that Walking Dead like systemizes that in mm-hmm. quotes is just through adventure game dialogue trees. And I think it's... I have, a, I have an idea about this. Go ahead, though. I, I, do, I, I do too, actually. Yeah. I, do, I mean, I think the, the, the way that these things actually work is in the nuance and specificity of what you say and how you act. And that's very hard to abstract out into a just sort of mechanical base. Mm-hmm. Whereas totally. in, in 400 Days, it's literally... And like just in adventure games... You choose the exact words that you say, and then you get a bespoke response to the exact things that you say. Instead of it being like, well, like facade o- offer Ooh. item. Facade is still facade is it, a weird thing. It's still a ton of tiny bespoke content right. though, that then has a text parser to try and assume, and then it tries to figure out what best to respond. Yeah, right. I mean, the, yeah, the actual like cohering kind of glue of the thing is all systematized. And I think that's where it falls. That murders the humanity. Like I was, I was having a really good conversation with JP about this. I would say maybe six months ago. I think it was JP LeBreton friend of the show. Yes. yes. I think it was when we were working on, um, and these are Fortnite when we were doing space space for me to Fortnite, we were talking about, um, systems in games. And I, I'm, as anyone who's listening to this podcast for a while knows, I'm a pretty strong believer in the power of systems in games. And I definitely think that systems have, really strong potential to say a lot about humans and the world in which we live. But I also think that the further you zoom in on individual humans and individual human relationships, the less relevant kind of purely systematized game rules are. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. dangerous to assume in a game that like everything can be represented through some kind of reproducible system. I, I think when you pull out, you can get things that are like, I think you can systemize trends. And exactly stuff like right. That. Well, that's why stuff like The Sims is really powerful and actually can can provide experiences that are almost eerie and sort of you know from time to time in terms of how much they speak to particular um, human interactions. But like when you really zoom down into like two people actually talking to each other, that's right. something that you know it's probably going to be a very long time, if ever. That well, that yeah. is successfully Sim, the recreated. The is evocative through. of love, but it doesn't actually tell you the specifics of a love story. Exactly. Right. In this, I was thinking about this today, actually, coincidentally. It was, what, was I, what spurred it? It was something about how um, – I was thinking about how an observer looking at a bunch of people going on a bunch of dates and then looking at the outcome of them 
it's not it, – fr- from the outside perspective, it's really not that much different than just flipping a bunch of coins and seeing what the result is. Like, But in reality, the the reason each of those turned out the way they did is due to some incredibly complex like interaction dealing with those people's personalities right. and like their hormones and like exactly what I was a million say. other so things. Funny. Like when you flip a coin, that's not really random. It's like technically speaking, it's right. the – Result of an incredibly complicated like physical interaction between air friction and the weight of this thing and the angle you flipped at it and this and that. But like the the actual cost to figure out what's really going on systemically there is just so high that we probably shouldn't even bother trying. Right, it's unreal. Like right. it's just if you, when you pull back far enough, you can have a really interesting game like Dwarf Fortress or Sim City or The Sims that realizes okay, at a far enough distance. This is effectively random, mm-hmm. so you can represent it that way, and really magical things can emerge out or at of least it. Sort of right. Well, the problem I think, by very large, exactly larger trends. fuzzy forces. Well, right I think that trends, gets to but, the problem with whenever a game would try to do relationships is when you flip a coin and it, you're trying to get heads and it lands on tails. You don't feel like you're a failure. You just feel like that's the way it fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Like that is. You mean like in life? In general, as a human being. Yeah. Sorry, you, when yeah. you play a game, you mean like when you're playing a sport and it starts with a coin toss, not when you're playing a coin flipping game. No, no, no. If you just flipped a coin, right? Right. And like you didn't get the thing you were hoping to get. Yeah. You oh, I see feel what like you're you saying. Fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just, realize that happens. that's just a thing that isn't right. going to happen yeah, all the time. Yeah, like, so any time somebody tries yeah. to make a game out of something, they start creating fail states. So you're trying to You pursue, have to be able to win. You have right. to be able to game it. And so yeah. winning is going to be being with this person as opposed to, you know what? There is no fail state. There's just, I'm eventually going to find someone, maybe. That's a much more interesting game, and it's more—it's more of a journey well, that's than, I'm it, sure, is, than that's it is. That's I'm sure uh, why a challenge. Jap- like Japanese game simulators, even if they I mean dating simulators, Japanese game video game simulators. Yes, Japanese dating simulators. Even if, even if there wasn't at the get-go a slight creepy subtext, those games would probably eventually optimize towards where they are now anyway, because the way that you win a dating simulator is to go on a date. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have enough experience with any of them. So I mean, I, don't really I, mean I, don't I know how they go. If you play a game that is, this is... I mean, there is a win this condition. This is a game where you play right. as a guy who goes on a date, and you can win it. You imagine that the win condition is you get a date with a cute girl. Right, or right. the date is successful, or, I would, or whatever you know, I would take yeah, yeah, yeah. two years of my life and write a Telltale game, or a Telltale-style game, where the goal was not to end up sure, on a sure. date. It was just go on a bunch of these dates and eventually the who you are as a person, the type of choices you make is going to sync up with one of these characters and that's going to mean something. But there's enough content here where you effectively feel like you could do it forever. Sure. I don't even those coins. But even that, I don't even think is, is necessary to portray, right? Like I think just I think some, be interesting. No, no, it would totally yeah, be, yeah. you're right. It would totally be interesting. Um, but I mean, even that is probably like maybe too much to bite off just to sort of get at something that is meaningful to a person that draws on their own. Like you don't need to recreate every part of the reality of like going on a date in order to trigger the thing in the person playing it, like their own memories and their own like sympathy and empathy, like based on their own experiences. Like you can just have a written experience if it's true, right? Right. Like, I mean, by true, I mean, if it feels true to the, to the person and uh, and is based on life. I mean, well, you want that. I mean, I guess the goal is to recreate that moment where when you're on a date and you say something that's like, exactly who you are or you're something about you about something you like or something you thought was lame and the other person's face just sort of like lights up Mm -hmm. and you see that they feel the exact same way or you know uh share the same have share their same experience or the same way of looking at something like that feeling is like alchemic i guess and like Mm -hmm. if you can create that or like the reminder funny is i feel like they actually the um the back to the first date game I feel like they actually did quite a good job at. Mm-hmm. at, at That's why I find this so. That. I want, yeah, have yeah, to play yeah. this game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the game is in a like failure is playing the game, right? Obviously, like you're, it's a game where you're learning. That to, game literally has it. no perfect date you can go on. Yes, right. Yeah, it's so really great. the idea of a fail state is uh, doesn't exist really. I mean, mm-hmm. it does, but it, it's part of that. It's is, just the whole thing is like an ambiguous to, gray area. It only states. serves to yeah. move the game forward. Yeah, and I think that's what makes the game so interesting. Because I mean, that's what dating is. Dating is one. I'm married and it's still an ambiguous gray area state. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think yeah. in games just get so... I don't know. I had a conversation with Nels Anderson about this uh, a couple of days ago, maybe today, just about, like, just there's no fail state. You just don't die. You don't... Just keep moving through this thing and it's going to be a thing that you play. You know? And uh, uh, we talked about that quite a bit, just vis-a-vis the games that he has made and uh, I have made. And it was... A really, really, really good conversation. Nels is the lead designer on Mark of the Ninja. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
the folks. Folk. Who are listening and don't know who. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't know if that was anywhere, but yeah, I'm really glad you liked that chapter. Um, yeah. Sean Ainsworth was the guy in charge of that one. This is actually, you reminded me of a question that I kind of want to ask people because I was going to postulate something and instead I'm just going to say interesting games that you guys have played, people who listen to this podcast that don't have a fail state but just accumulate what you've done and continue to move forward, like sort Mm -hmm. of not necessarily success through failure but progress through failure is Mm -hmm. a thing that I would like to really hear some examples of. And I'm sure there's a ton. Uh, Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy, yeah. Rogue Legacy is a fucking good example, you're right, of progress through failure. It's a re- there was a fantastic piece um, that was a review of Rogue Legacy, but it was like most actual good criticism. It was much more interesting than just sort of a review of a thing. It was uh, by I think John Teddy on Gameological God, Society. He's so good. I, I know he's a really John good writer. And, oh, that fucking guy. And he's he wrote great. in his review of Rogue Legacy, he compared the game to Binding of Isaac. And um, I'm actually just going to try and find this because it was so... Oh, I guess we talked about, about this last week a little bit. Not not about progress through failure, but just... I want to second Jake's request, though. If you have other games that like... Oh, yeah, yeah. please. Toss them in, please. We, please. We just were talking last week about things like Super Meat Boy and Binding of Isaac and Rogue Legacy. Not necessarily all uh, actually having the game physically, like, systemically progress through failure, but them sort of acknowledging the notion of death and game over as like an actual part systemic of the game choice. Yeah. experience. It's not, yeah. it's not it's the okay. hard reset. It's just the, like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. So, so John Teddy, I'm just going to quote a bunch of parts of this review because it's so, I thought it was so effective. At, and is on Gameological Society? It's on Gameological.com, yeah. yeah. So he says, one recent point of comparison for Rogue, for Rogue Legacy is The Binding of Isaac, another heavily randomized game that takes a more traditional roguelike approach. When you die, you start over from scratch the next time. There is no legacy building in Isaac. You cannot pass along a cache of cash to your progeny. The philosophical difference between the two games is the difference between a life lived for its own sake and a life that is part of a larger story. In practice, that difference is profound. When I find my back against the wall in Isaac, which is even more challenging than Rogue Legacy, I don't lose my will to fight. Instead, I summon a more tenacious level of fight. Some of my most memorable times with Isaac have come when I clawed my way back from Death's Door to conquer the depths of the Isaac Inferno. Rogue Legacy doesn't inspire quite that same burning desire because its death doesn't feel like true death. When my health is at a low ebb in some forlorn corner of Legacy's castle, my thoughts turn to the next generation. I can't accomplish greatness in this life, I reason, but perhaps I can scrounge enough gold to give a solid head start to the next family scion. By resigning myself to mediocrity in the short term, I'm simply taking a different path to greatness. The ruthless nature of Isaac induces heroism. The enduring lineage of Legacy produces heroes. That's writing. Jesus. Yeah. It kills me. He's very good. Yeah. I thought that was such an amazing – it's so interesting because those two games have specifically um, – not, not more than like any other game or anything. But like in the last few years, I've I, both of those games have hooked me mm-hmm. in, in a way that it was um, lengthy in each case, right? right? Like I've played I think probably 20 hours of, of Rogue Legacy now, which again, as listeners to this podcast know, is longer than I usually spend on a given yeah, game. You've only had it for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about two weeks I think. Okay. Um, but um, – <laughs> I I I love the he's so right about that too because when I I'll sometimes find myself in a situation in Rogue Legacy where I'm like you know what this hero really isn't going anywhere <laughs> it's this is a real shame but you know what I can do I can make a better life for my kid and I will just go on the like kind of gold I'll go on the sort of um gold hunting run where I don't take on any, like I don't try and go for a boss. Like when I see a room with crazy enemies in it, I just back out. I just go through, I sweep all the, I just kill, uh, crack all the, um, pots and like pick up all the gold and everything. And it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of beautiful, but also tragic. It sort of reminds me of a life where you sort of take the good. It reminds me of like my grandfather. My grandfather was an Italian immigrant and like he came to this country and, uh, with my dad and his family and all my dad's brothers, you know, the whole, big Italian family. And my grandfather would say, look, don't, don't be noticed. Keep your nose clean. Don't get a job. That's going to make you stand out. Like this was my grandfather's mm-hmm. philosophy. Like he changed his name from Guayanone to Remo because mm-hmm. he was still Italian, but much less obnoxiously Italian, you know, in the way that people would notice, especially as world war two uh, was going on. And he, that was his advice to my father was just earn a good living, save your money, don't just keep your nose clean. He always said that. Keep your nose clean. And I that I've always remembered that because it was such a specific worldview of like you're not here to like get in trouble. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to like 
Like he hated the Godfather movies, but he just hated them. He hated that that's what people thought Italians were, you know. And like he, his whole thing was just like, be quiet, just earn a good living, get your, ki- make sure your kids can like go to school and like save money in the bank, and that's it. That's what you do. That's the that's the the job. And it that's like it's so silly to say, but like when I was playing Rogue Legacy, that like it's the gold run. when I run to those things, I'm just like, this is this character's life. Like this character knows he's not gonna be. The guy with the big picture above the mantle place who people remember for generations is like the crazy boss killer. And like, yet in Rogue Legacy, when he dies, he's immortalized the same as all of his previous ancestors. It's true. Sick frame. It's true. It's true. They're all they're all horizontally. They're all equal. Um, but, you know, but he can earn that that guy might end up with thousands of and you have to since your gold only survives for one generation at a time. It's actually quite meaningful if a character manages to earn a lot of gold um, because you don't get to hoard it. It's mm-hmm. like that's all you get for the next generation. And so. Um, I wasn't planning on telling that. I don't know. That, that, was, nice. <laughs> that was not something I was planning on talking about. It was nice. Um, Idle but, thumbs. Uh, yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that was a really good article, and you should maybe read it. All right. Cool. Well, thanks guys for listening and watching the stream. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you no. if you want to check out the stream, it's on twitch.tv slash idle thumbs, and we'll probably also bump it to the idle videos YouTube channel, like mm-hmm. we did last week. YouTube.com slash idle videos. Thanks for joining us on it. Thanks for looking at this podcast. Um, all of our best wishes go to everyone at Giant Bomb, to all of Ryan Davis's family, and we will miss that guy a hell of a lot. Very, very, very much. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. It's Tuesday.